0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. Today I'm joined by Matthew Carroll and Paul Hoppy as we're discussing ethical questions from WandaVision. All that more after a commercial break that I have no control over, and I'm sure these commercials have absolutely no significance whatsoever to the larger plot of the story. Welcome back, I'm Matthew, and today I should say I'm Matthew Fox since I'm being joined by Matthew Carroll. Matthew the... One of the co-hosts of the MCU cast, they did weekly casts on uh, WandaVision every week that I got to be a part of as a producer and a guest, and I'm so excited, Matt, to have you back on to discuss the ethical questions, because every week there was stuff that we started to get into, and we'd always kind of say, like, okay, well, we need to go into this further in in the ethics podcast, so I'm really glad to have you here. How are you doing today?
1: Yeah, man, it's good to be here. Good to be here. I I watched WandaVision. I can't say I'm an expert on ethics, but I watched WandaVision, so I'm ready to (laughs) throw in my two cents.
0: None of us are an expert on anything. That's the whole point of ethics, you know? We get to make it up as we go along. <laughs> Paul, also good to have you here. How you, How you doing today?
1: I
2: also watched WandaVision, and I don't really believe in the concept of ethics, but I have a lot <laughs> of opinions about what people should or shouldn't do, which I guess people call ethics. But it's like, less should and more, okay, let's do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want to say that you have very strong feelings about being a contrarian but then I think you're going to disagree with me, and we're just going to skip that whole thing entirely. So (laughs) Let's just kind of start out general, just kind of setting the tone for it. Um, What are your guys' overall thoughts on this show? Well,
1: I think it was really wonderfully put together, Uh, just a solid, solid piece of art on Marvel's part. Uh, Really, really, like... uh, I kept being blown away by the execution of the thing mm-hmm. um which has nothing to do with the ethics of it just really 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 well done like all of the period stuff they did with the different um episodes that were set in different time periods of sitcoms were just like tone perfect actors were wonderful the music is maybe the best so music well Marvel's done. ever done um, and they did so many different genres and so many interesting things with it from the big sweeping scores that is sort of common to Marvel to things like Agatha all along and the WandaVision theme song, multiple WandaVision theme songs. I just it, it's just I can't say enough good about the thing. Now, uh, there's a lot of controversy going on over, like, did they set up a lot of things that didn't pay off? And I think a lot of that is just fans wanting more than they got. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, but I, I, I still I. I am content with what I got. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful piece of art. I love it.
0: Yeah, and we'll definitely be discussing – we're mostly going to be discussing today the ethical questions that, like, the characters themselves face. But but there's so much about this show in terms of, like, the relationship between the show and its fans and theory and mm-hmm. trolling and all that that we're going to get into some questions there as well. Now, Paul, I know you were not quite as positive about this show.
2: Yeah, uh... I mean, my feelings towards the show aren't, um, they're not like a lot of feelings for the most part. It's more just like, I really respect that Marvel was like, let's do this high concept series that's going to take a little while to kind of get going. But, you know, there's there's a lot of trust in the audience involved there. Um, mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that they seem to be making a lot of different series that aren't necessarily all aimed at the same people or not aimed at the same kind of feel or, or rhythm or whatever. Um, I didn't love it. The, I, I thought it was a great replication or kind of spoof on, you know, some of those older like family sitcoms. I've never really liked family sitcoms that much. So I'm like, well, I kind of wanted them to be funnier, you know? Um, But, you know, just seeing how much, how many people loved it. Like, This, I'd file in the category of things that, like, didn't really feel like they were totally for me. And I'm totally fine with that. Like... It's clearly caused a lot of joy um, for a lot of people, although, you know, regarding all of the payoffs that, like, maybe weren't paid off, um, I mean, I'll admit there's a little bit of, like, schadenfreude there, like, in <laughs> yeah. terms of just seeing people, like, so into it and, like, it's Mephisto, it's Mephisto, no, no Fisto, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs>
0: um, yeah, for sure, and I think th- there's a lot there about the, like, the trolling and, 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 yeah. and the questions there to get into
2: and like i might be mad if like i really wanted the fox men you know in the mcu but like right maybe they will be maybe they won't be i don't know i kind of would like them to reintroduce mutants in just like a totally straight up like oh there's a mutant you know here's the backstory of some mutants like as opposed to this multiverse crossover Mm -hmm. you know they'll do what they do um in in the netflix series like we really got trolled pretty hard on misty night and I remember talking about that at the time. Um, but then eventually they, you know, they pay it off. So right. I- I'm kind of expecting something similar where there is some kind of like, you know, you're like, oh, is this it? Is this it? No, this isn't it. Oh, this is it. You know, and maybe that's yeah. two years later. I don't know. But...
1: Yeah, that was the fun for me is the fact that like, and I, I just tried to I tried to take it at face value for what it was mm-hmm. and enjoy it for what it was, and the there were definitely things I loved the idea of Pietro. See, I've never wanted the Fox X Men to come into the MCU, never. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I sense. think they're they're it's they're sort of bad movies, and there's just so much in there that would sort of water down the MCU. But right. they did it in such a fun and interesting way in Wandavision. I was like suddenly on board i was like Mm -hmm. okay maybe maybe i could do deal with this if they just brought in this weird selective characters that are fun from that and made it work with this crew campy wandavision thing and then they so they teased me with it to the point that got me speculating and i had a great time speculating about it and then they didn't do it and i'm fine with it like i i I still am fine with the fact (laughs) that the x-men are not going to be brought over yeah
0: and I have to say, for me, there's a very interesting thing that I got to go through of watching the show with, with you and Jeff every week and being part of all the theory stuff because, you know, as I said, I'm not um, deeply versed in the comic side of it. I probably would not have, like, I would never have heard the word Mephisto if I hadn't been part of our deep conversations every week. And there's a part of me that started to worry, is this show only going to work for people who really love that deep dive stuff? And one thing I think I've been really interested in is, I then later rewatched it with my partner who knows none of all that she wasn't doing any of the theory crafting she's never heard a lot of these things and we just binged it one wonderful night and she loved all of it and so i do think there's something great about a show that can that can speak upon those different levels um
2: yeah it's sort of she- like shows that like appeal to adults and kids right yeah like it, it hits on different
1: levels <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, that feels that feels weird to say it's like which who's the adults here um <laughs> like i, I, I legit, don't know i legitimately don't know in that scenario who's the know. adult yeah the person was, who obsesses mostly... over the stuff or the person with less knowledge um,
0: <laughs> Both. we'll, we'll move I past think. that particular question so let's start let's start right with the heart of it wanda um her character goes on such a great journey from an ethics perspective here, I think. And I'm really curious, where do you guys wind up seeing her? Like, in one of the things that we were discussing as the show went on week by week is, is she the villain? Is she going to become the big bad? And it seems like what the show gave us is that she was at first being kind of this happy go lucky thing. She was starting to realize she was doing harm. We were in the audience starting to realize like the, the real pain and trauma that was being caused. And then at the end, uh, there's sort of like much worse people who show up, like Hayward, like who literally, you basically have someone who like literally shoots a child and someone else who literally kills a puppy. Yep. Um, Like we're, we're pretty lampshaded, like here's the actual bad people. And Wanda kind of acknowledges that she does wrong and she apologizes and then kind of goes off to do her thing. Where does she wind up for you? Is this about her? Hero origin story, sort of. Is this about her having been a villain but getting away with it? Is it somewhere in the middle? How do you see Wanda ethically?
1: Hmm. I mean, she did really do nothing in this show but but bad. Like she she did nothing but cause pain, and the only victory or good that she did was stop causing pain, which is a victory and it is a step in the right direction ethically. But she did. I wouldn't call her a hero of this story. Um, she is someone who learned she was causing pain and stopped causing that pain, which is, there's a lot you could dig into here, uh, about, about today's world. And like, you can finally, finally seeing pain you're causing and stopping causing that pain, like seeing other people as people and seeing the value in their experience, um, that is, that is incredibly cool that they told the story the way they did. I don't think she's a hero, but I also, I look at a lot of these other characters that you mentioned. Yeah. And I I guess you asked about Wanda, so I won't get too deep, but I don't even know about, I feel like everyone in this story is kind of ethically gray. Um, Mm. even Hayward. Hey, sure. Hayward's a dick. Uh, but when you think about it, as we, as I just said, Wanda spent the whole season, she did nothing but cause pain. Um, and and given her track record and the like public experiences that she's had with the problems she's done, she literally was working for Ultron. Then she was uh, then she caused the Lagos incident. Uh, then she <laughs> it caused the whole Civil War experience uh, fighting uh, you know, over her to some degree. And then you move forward to now and she's like kidnapping an entire town. Like if I were that government agent, I'd probably be against her as well. You know? And sort of, Agatha seems like she's only power hungry, but she's also she also is the one who stands up to Wanda and says like a uh, 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 friend Jason uh, uh, from the from the of panda chat posted yesterday He's like I'm pretty sure Agatha's the hero of this story from the perspective <laughs> okay. of
2: the townspeople from the perspective of the townspeople
1: yeah really important yeah what, yeah, yeah. What like a bunch lo- of
2: people were engaging with that like as if he was just saying that as a neutral you know un-
1: yeah, yeah yeah statement. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we, we had conversations offline about two, but yes. Oh, okay. like, right, like, yeah, sorry, but yes, that's exactly know. what he said on the... On the, on the uh, from the perspective of the townspeople, like, this is... She's the hero. She steps up for, forward to Wanda, says, look at the people you're causing pain to, and Wanda stops causing that pain. Like, she's the one that actually breaks through to Wanda and says, like, look at these people. Stop what you're doing. It's, We're going to do a whole thing yeah. on Logs. Agatha to be sure, because I, the one thing I'd yeah. say
0: back there is that at that point she does, earlier... Like when Vision's trying to convince her uh, or Monica's trying to convince her, Agatha's want to be like, no, no, Wanda, this is all fine. Right. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, That's a good point. But yeah. you're right for the end. But
2: but just totally so, so Paul, what
0: about for you? Like where, where do you see Wanda in all this?
2: Um, I, I just wanted to add the one thing I do have strong feelings about being a contrarian and two, as much as I wasn't (laughs) super like into the show, I did watch it literally the minute it came out for eight weeks in a row. So like it it, it held a certain level of interest, even if, um, you know, it didn't always, even if it wasn't until week four that Darcy and Wu showed up, but, um, they're my favorite. Anyway, um, Wanda and her journey, like, so You know, in terms of, like, doing anything heroic, like, I think at the end, when she chooses to release everyone from, you know, the the predicament she's put them in um, to, you know, to stop torturing people, it comes at great personal cost. Sure. And I think that's inherently heroic, even if it's not an action against another person. You know, she, like, in a way of looking at it, like, she offs her family, you know? Yeah, that's (laughs) true. Again, yes. after having oft vision in order to, you know, try to save the world. Um you know, I, I think like if we focus on like, yeah, okay, she was Sokovian and she joined Ultron and like that's bad. But on the other hand, it's like if you're Sokovian, like maybe Ultron seems better than like, you know, Tony Stark and American hegemony throughout the world. You Absolutely.
1: Know? Like Absolutely. And, uh- I I was not, when I, when I mentioned that stuff, I'm saying from Hayward's perspective, right? right? Like that's what Hayward knows about her. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's like, I think whether the extent to which Hayward is a villain, um, comes down to partially what you think about sword. Right. Um, and you know, we'll get to that, but like, you know, Wanda, like she's done, done some bad things. Um, I think in the series she's. In a way, she's the you know she's the principal antagonist of the townspeople. Mm-hmm. Um, the story isn't really told from the perspective of the townspeople, so I think that's easy to kind of overlook or forget. Uh, I think her kind of moral culpability and um, sort of like how good or bad she comes off at the end. Is uh somewhat compromised by Agatha and Sword and how we feel about them. And I don't know if we're supposed to kind of feel a certain way. I, I like the fact that they they leave some of that sort of open. Um yeah. I think the puppy killing and shooting at children uh points pretty strongly, uh, <laughs> you know, in particular directions. Um and and Agatha like at the she clearly can remove people from the spell. So, when she doesn't, it's on her too, right? Right.
1: S- I, I could see. I could see a case being made that like she didn't do it because first she needed to understand what she was up against. Like right. maybe if she'd done it earlier, and then she's up against a witch that she can't. Like this. This is this witch is displaying power that she's never yeah. understood. So maybe she right, needed right. to do a little reconnaissance before doing an all-out attack, as mm-hmm. she did at the end.
0: Right. And I, th- I think I think I think there's definitely something there. and I, I do think there's something inconsistent about how Agatha's powers are are presented, which is a bit frustrating. but to, to take it back to Wanda, it's funny, I honestly, going into this, I thought I was going to be the one who was the most like Wanda belongs in jail because that's mm-hmm. kind of how I felt at the end of the at the at the end of the first time I watched it, I was like, wait a minute, Wanda has just done this horrifically tra- traumatizing thing. And a- again, like we talked, Paul, you brought it up, and I think I agree, very much agree. When people say things like, okay, this character killed a puppy. This person shot at children. It's kind of the way of the writers being like putting a big flashing like bad person sign above their head. Or in Hayward's case,
1: he didn't give her a badge. You know what I mean? Like like there's little things like that that made Hayward look like a dick from the very beginning. Right, Right,
0: exactly. In Wanda's case, they make a very specific point to show us like – that children were locked in their rooms for days because of mm-hmm. it. Right, right. Which, interestingly enough, I think is, not coincidentally, very much like Wanda being like locked in her room of the, like the broken yeah. house with the bomb. Yeah. So I feel like on the one hand we're supposed to very much like and, – and so I, I ended that first time I watched the show, like Wanda, you know, take her to jail. She's a straight-up villain.
2: <laughs> Good luck with that, by the way. Well, also
0: there's a problem, yeah. <laughs> um. The more I think about it, the more I start... Ha- I mean, I have a lot of sympathy for her. I, I also understand, like, all the different sides of what's happening. More than anything, I feel like... I think she's a Batman villain. Mm. And I'm thinking... Like, think about someone like Mr. Freeze. Or yeah. someone else like that where... And the MCU has this, to be sure. But Batman, I think, especially does this. Where you have a character who has this very sympathetic backstory... And then they do these things where it's not even that they're intending to harm people. It's that they are so focused on getting their love back or doing the thing that they feel like they need to do that they're not paying much attention to the harm that they're causing others. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. What if the story wasn't a Batman movie but was Mr. Freeze where eventually he realizes all the harm he's causing and is willing to let go of wanting his wife back because he realizes he's hurting people? Mm-hmm. Like, to me, I, I kind of think that's that's kind yeah. of the framework in which I, I see this. Does that, does that make sense?
2: It does. And, like, when I watch Batman stories... By the way, I feel like Spider-Man villains are the closest thing to that in Marvel a lot of the time. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. That's good. Or, like, like, Doc Ock and stuff like that. Like, Beaver yeah. and Yeah, and, and the lizard guy, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But, like... Yeah, when I'm watching a Batman story, a lot of times at the end, like, when the villain stops doing the villainy stuff... like. I'm good with them just, like, going off and being wherever. Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't... I mean, you know, I mean, I've got a whole thing about prison (laughs) (laughs) that that we don't have to get too deep into. But it's like, you know, yeah, like, what do you do with people who do harm and then voluntarily stop doing the harm, you know? I mean, sure, (laughs) there's a danger of... if, If somebody establishes a pattern, right, where they'll do harm until you, like... Point it out to them and then they'll stop and then they'll start doing harm again until you're like, hey, stop it. And they're like, oh, right, right. Um, You know, that's problematic. And obviously we need to deal with that. But, like, if somebody's doing harm, if they don't have, like, a big pattern of it and if it's something that they do and then they Mm -hmm. deliberately stop doing, you know, I mean, depending on kind of where they're at mentally, like, I don't see any particular need for anything else to happen after that. I think... Uh, you put it really well when, you know, we were having a conversation about this on, on Gchat or whatever, and um, maybe you can like rephrase or say what you said. I should have grabbed the quote, but it was something about like not needing like retribution, basically just needing it to be acknowledged. Like, yeah, this was bad. Let's not do that. People shouldn't do that. And um you know, then at, at some point just moving on, but mostly the the kind of emphasis on acknowledging like, yeah, you shouldn't take a town of people mentally <laughs> hostage and, you know, regardless yeah. of how you treat them, basically. Just like, don't do that. Don't mind control right. a town full of people. Okay, we good? Like, got it? <laughs> you know?
1: Mm-hmm. And I really wish we'd gotten that moment. Really gotten a moment between the townspeople after she'd stopped where, like, maybe the you know, she tries to, she asks for forgiveness or you know, apologizes or something, and then they're like. No, we don't forget, you know, I wish there'd been like, because yeah. sure. all we got was Monica's response, which, which was tracked. Monica understood her from the beginning as someone going yeah. through grief and wasn't personally, I mean, she was personally affected because she was also in like enslaved in the hex for a, a time, yeah. but like, not like these people were. And Monica sort of forgives her and says, you yeah. know, it says the thing about, you know, they'll never know what you sacrifice, but like, that's the thing. They will never know. So I wish we, right. I wish we'd let's that. let's tell them. They, they, right. we, we get a lot. We get a lot of ugly looks from yeah. from those people, and I, yeah, d- I think yeah. we do get the idea that like there is a consequence. These people are never going to like you. These people are always right. going to mistrust you, and yeah. probably they're going to go probably. forth telling their story and continue yeah. to and and the world will mistrust you. But like I, I just wish we'd had that. I think they were trying to end it on sort of a happy note until that twist at the end where she's using dark magics or whatever. Um,
0: yeah. I, I think that the happy note is, is a really good point. I think that's where I think this is maybe the frustration that I have, and it's why I'm glad we're talking about it because I do feel like Wanda's story, there is such an ethically rich question here. You know, like Paul, what you bring up about the idea of, you know, if you do it once, there isn't, maybe it's just like, okay, you know, don't do that again, walk away. For Wanda, this is a pattern. I mean, she did join Ultron before. Like, this isn't the first time it's happened for Wanda. There's a there's a story yeah, you know really, and then yeah. you have a, a, of Lego, uh, Lagos 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 is the
1: Lagos, is, 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 is the this Lagos. particular one
0: I keep hearing it I keep getting wrong Lagos,
1: yeah there's Lagos. A, I, 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 um, there's like a Lagos in South America and a Lagos in South Africa is that right Nigeria Nigeria sorry, yeah right and so in that's I that's
2: where it is it's, isn't it in, it's not yeah, it, the one in Nigeria.
1: Yes, the Nigeria one is pronounced Lagos. We had a Nigerian oh, okay. listener write in and be like, "They say right. it wrong in the MCU. Cool. The MCU says Lagos, but it's Lagos, Lagos.
0: <laughs> right? Okay, but yeah, and, and that one I think we, I mean, there's a whole debate about if that's her fault or not. But, but but anyway, my my point being, I feel like there's so much to ethically question about Wanda. And to wrestle with, like, is she a good guy? Is she a bad guy? Is she a uh, I forgot, you, you guy? Is she format. a guy? Uh, yeah, no. So, um, which I also have a thing to, to, to say uh, later about Wanda. But the the I think my frustration at the, of, about that ending is that I think part of what they do is to say, okay, we have all these ethical questions about Wanda, but wait a minute. Hayward and Ag- Agnes, Agatha, are so clearly bad guys. Yeah. That now you should have like, we're not really wrestling with Agatha, with Wanda anymore because, you know, it's something I think movies do a lot or TV shows do a lot Mm -hmm. of, stop thinking about if this person's a bad person because here's someone who's worse. Right. And Uh, I I, I think I kind of wish that we hadn't had that like, you know, Hayward shooting at the kid or like Agatha, Uh, I feel like the show never quite made up. And we'll get it to her in a second. I'm uh, talking about in terms of how it affects Wanda. But I wish we just had clearer like, is Agatha about her own power? Is Agatha about thinking that the Scarlet Witch is just a bad, scary thing and wanting to stop it? Like, because I feel like it just it it makes Wanda's ending too easy in a way that I think the show could have had it be much more complicated. I think mm. the and presence, was for most of the show.
2: Yeah, but I think the presence of Agatha and Sward like always kind of undermined Agatha. Um, sorry, Wanda as like the one doing the thing. You know, because we're kind of not certain – I mean, even at the end, I don't think we're certain exactly how much of everything was her. You know, I mean, if you have a theme song like it was Agatha all along, that kind of undermines like (laughs) – but it was Wanda, right? Like doing a whole bunch of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Yeah,
0: who has actual agency is a very interesting question, I think. Well,
1: you also have even not just Agatha, but like Hayward from the beginning, apparently this whole thing was his plan to try to get – Uh, vision turned back on and so even so he baits her in the in the little surgical theater into like trying to get her to power him up and that's not like that is that that pushes her even further down the spiral which causes this whole thing like Mm -hmm. so even there's sort of these origins of the problem in hayward as well
0: which i will just say not to go back keep going back to my pet theory but like how often is it that you know it's Lex Luthor or someone else like that who's baiting the person who becomes the Batman villain. You know, right. I feel like that's right. often like a common theme. And yeah. It's... <clears throat>
2: or, I mean, one thing I've seen in a bunch of places is you get these, like these stories where the hero is the villain or the antagonist, or they're doing something bad, but then like secretly it's Brainiac, you know?
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And I hate that. I hate the, the shadowy cabal surprising. was responsible all along. I really am yeah. not a fan.
2: Right, yeah, it's like, let the heroes be bad, and let us one you know think about it. I think mm-hmm. you know,
0: for sure, for sure to go also, Paul to what you were saying about the like and uh, the conversation we were having about like moving away from retribution, I definitely think that I feel like the to me, the idea of Wanda did something bad, so she deserves to be punished like i I just don't think that that you know studies have shown that that doesn't actually help make crime mm-hmm. better, like it's just dumb. Mm-hmm. I think, though, that there's a real importance, and Matt, you brought this up, between retribution and restitution. Mm-hmm. And and restitution to me is about – you don't just get to say, oh, I just totally traumatized you and, like, made a whole bunch of therapists in this town really rich. Sorry and fly away.
2: There's a spinoff show. <laughs> All these people <laughs> yeah. going through therapy. I think that would be great. But,
0: like, the next step should actually be, okay, not, not only do I recognize the harm I did – How can I now take actions to try and help the harm, to try to bring up that healing?
2: Yeah. And And she maybe would be perfectly equipped for that.
0: You mean the person who can do mind magic? Yeah. To help deal with Exactly.
2: Exactly.
0: Yeah. I could see that as being a great moment, of maybe in the moment she's just like, okay i'm I'm so sorry wait let me just like mind wipe you all and make it all better and then the <laughs> townspeople be like, no, no we we want to sit with this, but let's like right. work this out like you know? this happened, yeah, yeah. don't
1: take away our pain like yeah. it takes away the you know whatever yeah right. t- don't take away our experiences this is our experience yeah. kind of thing
2: or some of them might be like, yeah, take away my experience I don't re- want to remember this shit and other yeah. ones might be like, no, you know what I want to hold this
1: yeah like, there's just yeah. so many rabbit holes to go down with this yeah. and like I want to go down them all like. And I wish this I wish this had another season, honestly, like I really wish like I want to know what happens in that town where you've got uh, a bunch of people that are hurt who think of Agatha as a hero. And then you've got Agatha who's been like mind wiped. And do those people want to help Agatha? And like, I want to know. And, and also part of this is I don't know if y'all caught this uh, this little nugget, but the lady's name is Sarah Proctor. All oh, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who's the, who is in who 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 wakes up and talks about her daughter? That is a lady from comics, or not not from comics. I'm sorry. From, from <laughs> that's that's a lady from the from the real world, uh, who yeah. was in the witch trials, and it's and, like and was murdered. Yes, those. so. so if anyone... oh.
0: Exactly. that, Yeah. Sarah Sarah Proctor is is central to the actual Salem witch trial that this is all based on. I thought that was a great little nod.
1: Yeah. So like to me, you've got this Agatha character and you've got a familiar in that bunny that Mm -hmm. is clearly not a bunny. It's some sort of dark spirit that would be there to still help Agatha after she's. I don't know I'm just like really really curious what happens in this town full of people that just saw power on a scale they've never seen they've got a person there named Agatha who could be their mentor they've got an evil spirit that might be able to help wake Agatha up Um, and then yeah what happens and is, is that Sarah Proctor Easter egg and I don't know if we'll ever go back like I could absolutely see them using that or I could see them dropping this all completely and us never seeing Westview again.
0: And it's fun that you I, went in that direction because I take that same nugget – I take the same just bit about Agnes and go in the opposite direction, which is that I follow, I do find it troubling that I'm talking about how Wanda doesn't deserve retribution in any way. But <laughs> Wanda is clearly 100% in favor of retribution. <laughs> right, right, like, right, right. I did nothing wrong. I'm going to be flying off and going to do my own thing. But you, Agnes, you're going to get horribly tortured and I'm going to decide that as judge and jury. Like mm-hmm. that's dark on one. Like in terms of like Very a dark. hero. Moment, yeah, yeah, not the that's best. That's not, not the what best. the hero should do with the villain. Yeah. <laughs> nope. On the other hand, she did kill a puppy. So
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. And that 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 whole thing, and I don't think we've mentioned it yet. Here is like, are is the puppy real? And and how much Probably. how much does Agatha know if the puppy's real? And does she think the puppy's real? Like is because Agatha was Agatha trying to understand if the puppy was real? Like what is happening? with the children she yes she threatens the lives of the children she kills the puppy but like if she she's the person in the story that knows more about magic than anyone and she may know that like yes you can create these beings and they can seem sentient but they're not they're just illusions like does she have an idea that everything going on in the hex is not real and she does she is she thinking of this as like grand theft auto westview you know and she can do whatever the hell she wants with the with the npcs you know
0: right yeah i mean here i mean we get into such i love the term npcs because we get into so many all the ethical questions that come up around artificial intelligence or clones or drones or whatever it is you know and it's all that's there to explore and we don't really get a chance to dive into um there's so much to talk about there's a couple of the questions i know we want to hit on so i want to shift and go about to the very end of wanda's story which is you know at the end she does fly off. And she's, I mean, she's not living a happy life. She, Well, on the one hand, she's kind of like happy, peacefully sipping her tea in this basically Lord of the Rings setting. Um, my, my partner asked, is this, you know, WandaVision now discovers orcs? Is that what happens at the end here? Indeed. But, you know, I think you can see it as she's she is punishing herself. She's putting herself in self-isolation. But to me, one of the things that I think is essential, Paul, to what you were saying about, like, you're okay letting someone walk away if they have a firm understanding of, I won't do that again. Like, I've learned my lesson. I'm no longer a danger to someone else. Because, for me, that's more important than anything else. It's not even punishment. It's just like, are we are we causing more harm to happen by you having the chance to do more harm? How, and then in that very last scene, at the very end of the post credit scene, we see her reading the Darkhold and, and something happening with her kids. And the Darkhold isn't like a book of fluffy, happy bunnies and unicorns and magic. It's... Mm-hmm. The Book of the Damned. I read that as maybe she hasn't learned her lesson. Maybe she is still gonna try to say, Okay, well, I don't have closure from grief yet. I am still willing to play with powers I don't fully understand in order to maybe try and get my family back, and that more more villainy is possible. What what did you take from it?
2: Um that's a like i don't know what was happening at the end you know yeah. i don't think we're yeah. meant to know like and so you can certainly read the scene in a lot of different ways i think that's a totally legit way of uh reading it i think i mean you you said before you know something about a pattern but like i i mean the thing in Logus, I, I don't actually think was villainous um I, think I don't know either yeah there's there's a whole thing there but no, I don't, um I, don't think it's
0: we, vi- I think i think it go on make your I, don't, I don't i don't even
2: think it's really it. in a pattern of not knowing your abilities but um but yeah it, it it's like who teaches you you know yeah. Um, yeah and and you know she has powers that are um like almost nobody else on earth like in even in that world like really understands or know know what to do with and so it's You know, it's like, well, is the best thing to, like, go up on the mountain and just kind of be alone where you can't cause any direct harm to anybody. I think that's part of her thinking, right? Like, Mm -hmm. to kind of self-isolate. You know, but then do you run more of the risk of, you know, you have no no one there to kind of serve as a check on you as your, you know, as your sort of secondary conscience or whatever. No accountability, Um, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, like... I guess Doctor Strange would probably be the person who made the most sense. Does she, like, particularly know Doctor Strange? Like, they were both in that one big battle together. But, you know, no, she I had don't... been on Earth. He had been on, what, Titan? Or yeah. Um,
0: Agatha mentions the Sorcerer Supreme and Wanda right. not like, who is that? But other than that, I haven't right. seen them interact much at all.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, that might be the person to go to and be like, hey... About this magic stuff. I seem to have some of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I might be more powerful than you, but I could use a consult, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that the end is like, yeah, there's definitely – they're laying sort of the the groundwork for whatever they want to do next. And
0: yeah. – It's definitely th- wide open and they could make it anything they want. To. Yeah. Yeah. They could. I,
2: I feel like it would be very unsatisfying if she's just like, now she's the real villainy, villainous, villainous,
1: villainous,
2: you know? Um,
1: I think to me, to answer your question, Matthew, it it is that she absolutely learned a lesson. mm -hmm. And that lesson is that it was her naivete... (laughs) That word, naivete, that caused this. Like she did not know enough. She didn't even know what she was. This was all a mistake. She, as as Vision says, like I really hope that you, you just recently started to understand what's going on here because that this was all a mistake at first. And I think that's what it was. Like she just, it was pure, like wishing on a star. She created this entire hex. And then it was just like, she doesn't even know what's going on. She's just enjoying her life with vision and then realizes what's going on as she goes. And it's not until Agatha really confronts her that she even knows what a Scarlet witch is, knows that she is a witch, knows that she has the power to do this stuff. She just sort of slowly puts that together. Um, Right. And so the lesson she learned is my lack of knowledge caused me to cause a lot of pain mm-hmm. along with the thing I wanted to do. So I have this great power and now I need to learn about that great power and the only knowledge she has in front of her is the dark hold. And so now she's turning to the dark hold to try to learn as much as she can. Now right. We know <laughs> As like agents of Shield fans or Marvel fans or whatever the, the Darkhold, and as Agatha says, it's the Book of the Damned. Like we know that's pr- there's something suspicious about this book, um, but I don't know that she really understands that. She thinks of it. This is my only source of knowledge about the thing that I am, and I'm going to try to learn. So this could be her turning to a time of study that she thinks she's going to learn about her powers, so she doesn't do a bad thing unintentionally again. The problem is something seems suspect it definitely the the color scheme and the music seemed suspect at the end
0: <laughs> the fact that Agatha specifically warned her about that like it's not a I I think you're right that we is yeah, like we have we have some outside knowledge that tells us that the dark hold is not like you know the happy book but but so does Wanda and I think Sort of. I mean, Agatha is not a reliable source though. <laughs> yeah. She
1: you know? says, like, yeah, it's the book of the damned, but she says, you are the damned. Like you are the right. thing that is in this it's book. This the book of you. This yeah. is the book of you. It's telling you the story of you. That's what this you this is how we know what you are. And so she's like, Well, I need to learn read that. Even if it's even if it's darkness, even if it's something that I, you know, even there's more in there than I want to know, like I need to know it.
0: I, I think I think it's a good point there, and I think certainly I think the writers left it in a like it's very much kind of an almost J.J. Abrams mystery box thing of like what yeah. is she doing with our cold? We don't know. Like it could be totally benign, it could be setting her up to be even more of a big bad. I think the thing where I come down with Wanda is, and and actually let me let me preface this by saying when I'm talking about Wanda being problematic, I absolutely don't want it to be that we're singling her out. Um, I think I said this on the podcast Paul and I did a while back about Age of Ultron. Like, for example, like, I think Tony Stark should be serving many life sentences in prison if he was still alive for creating Ultron. Like, I think that, like, there's many, many times where superheroes have, like, done horrible things without realizing it and lots of harm is done. And I'm not saying Wanda should be singled out. I think a lot of the time we should be saying, like, because I think, Paul, you're right. It's like she doesn't know what she's doing. She doesn't understand. But I think that the flip side of that is like what's the res- if you have this power, what's the responsibility that you have? Because one of the things that I keep coming back to is – and I know, Paul, you, uh, you, you feel very differently about the show than, than Matt and I do, but at least you understand the conceit of it. Like the TV show The Boys mm. is all about a world in which the – Everyday humans are basically just, like, abused and treated horribly and terribly and are constantly the collateral damage of superheroes. And everyone just kind of shrugs and is like, well, but they're superheroes. That's what they're going right. to do. People die. Yeah. Ah, well. And that's presented in this, like, dy- dystopian hellscape. Right. And the whole, like, hero's journey of the um, the um one of the main characters of the boy starts because his girlfriend dies in an accident. And... The person who kills him by accident is clearly careless and doesn't give a damn is a terrible person, but it's by accident. And and I guess so that's that's sort of my point is I feel like I look at what Wanda did and I feel like clearly she didn't realize what she was doing. I, I do think she realized halfway through. Like Vision and Monica both try yeah. to confront her. So She's I don't think gradually
2: she told... gaining realization, basically, yeah. and trying to deny it, I think. Right. I think she's living in denial. but Right,
0: which again, is to me also a very up. like relatable villain thing of like, oh, right. I just don't want to see the harm I'm causing. Right. And, and I, I think it's a much deeper set of questions. I guess I'm just I'm just still stuck on, I'm very scared about the idea of a world in which people who have this much power, there's a sort of sense of like, well, they're going to hurt other people, but they don't mean to, so we're just going to be okay with it.
2: Right. I mean, we we live in that world. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I I, I agreed. I don't like you it. Um,
1: yeah. Um, the question yeah. is, like, what is the right action and to take to prevent that? And, uh, you know, uh, in this world, it's even a little more complicated than in our world. I think, like, uh, what you guys are talking about there is, like, inequality. Someone has tons of power. And and we don't have that. We don't have superpowers here, but we have money, and like right. we have, and we have this bad inequality that causes these power dynamics where someone in great power can make a dis- small decision that barely affects their lives, but it hurts people downstream. Um, and 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 our answer there is like equalize that power, but that's not the world right. we're looking at here. Like these people right. are, uh, you know, uh, like what's the power? How do how do you put checks? And I mean that's what. I feel like it's interesting because I feel like that's what Marvel has been playing at since Civil War. Like, how do you put checks on superheroes? And now they're getting back into that question. They had to kind of get together to fight, fight Thanos. And now it's like they're immediately getting back, right back to that question. Um, and I, I, I'm curious how much they'll really deal with it, how much that'll just be an ongoing thread Mm-hmm. Um, or if they'll really try to answer that question, cause there isn't really an answer, you know, it's just like, what do you do? And I think yeah. like consequences is important, but like having a pro- proper response to like this particular scenario, like what do you, how do you respond to Wanda doing a horrible thing unintentionally because her power is so great that she doesn't understand it. And in the comics, this is, this is directly addressed. They decide Wanda needs to be killed. Like that's Mm -hmm. the, that's the solution in comics is she goes mad and she's doing these sorts of things, uh, because of her mental illness. And they decide the only proper course is to murder her. (laughs) And like, they're not happy about it, but they just have to do it. And that's awful. And it's a really bad thing. The heroes go to kill Wanda Maximoff because she's, uh, gone mad. And like with, uh, Doctor Strange being called the multiverse of madness and the acronym being mom and her looking, her right. currently looking for her kids. Like I really wonder how deep, how close they're going to get to that storyline.
0: I hope we don't go there. Um, we recently did an episode um, I-, I did with other guests on um, the dark Phoenix and all that. And one of the things that I talked about there was that there is this trope in superhero stuff and in, in any kind of in, in science fiction as well about The woman who is so powerful that she's so dangerous and she's mentally unstable and it's always kind of like sexy crazy kind of trope and that she needs men to like control her and protect her from herself and protect everyone else from her and there's a lot of misogyny in that trope and i know that like some versions of the scarlet witch have 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 told that kind of a story and I, I think there's a lot of interesting things. You, we can go there to be sure, Matt, with what you're talking about. I just, sure. I just hope that that part of the trope we avoid because um, – Yeah. Like, like, but yeah, so I, I, I think – I totally hear what you're saying. I'm just – I just want to point out that one one aspect of the trope is one that I very much hope we avoid.
1: Abs- absolutely. Um, I, it's always it's always tricky because, you know, you, basically cr- the crazy woman trope is is a trope. But it's also – does that mean you can never tell a story about a – uh, a, a mentally ill woman that makes a makes These decisions so it's like yeah I, I totally agree with you I don't want them to make it Tropified but they've also laid a lot Of groundwork with her the experience she's Had to give her a lot of Grief and a lot of um, Things to lash out About and yeah oh, sure. I don't know I just don't, I just don't know what I don't know where they're going and it definitely seems To line up with some of those comics origins but yeah I, It's definitely a dicey territory And I don't think the right answer is to Kill her but, like, that, 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 and that's the thing in the comics. Like, certain heroes think that and certain heroes don't. And you have to kind of like weigh those options. And there's like, the Punisher's like, yeah, of course, we have to kill her. <laughs> um, you know, oh, no <laughs> <Like>, Frank. <friend. laughs> the Punisher, I'd be like, if you want to
0: talk about villains who are portrayed as heroes, right, yeah, right, right yeah. right. yeah.
2: Um, I think Wanda's closest analog in the MCU is like Hulk, where, yeah. you know, um, she's mostly like, here and there, and a a very important character in a bunch of stories that aren't necessarily her own. He or she gets, you know, her most recent is her her one story that's hers, and Hulk's was like his first story. But, you know, Hulk has this power that he doesn't fully understand at first, that he can't fully control, um, and he's constantly living in the, you know, his power is how he can do good in the world, right? But it's also how he can, I mean... You want to talk about collateral damage, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, I think, you know, you can look at it and think that like Hulk and Wanda are kind of like big reasons that you end up getting the Sokovia Accords. Um, but to kind of touch on what you were saying before, Matthew, like, um, you know, the the Sokovia Accords are called the Sokovia Accords, like. Probably because, like, Tony Stark made a murder bot that, you know, with a little help from Bruce Banner, although, you know, he specifically was like, let's – I'll only deal with Bruce on this because, you know, because he's the one who won't really challenge me, right? He won't hold me accountable and be like, we really shouldn't be doing this,
0: and even the second time. I think it's an interesting point is, like, we're always showing that the world presents Hulk as, like, a villain, but I can't think of a single story – where it seemed like the writers were saying maybe Hulk is the villain, the way they were definitely saying, like, Wanda might be the villain of this story for quite a while of this show.
2: Yeah, he becomes the antagonist at points in Avengers and in Age of Ultron, right? Right. But he's not, you know, he's not like, this is you know maybe he's really the villain it's like well bruce thinks this or that but we know he'll figure it out and everything'll be okay and eventually you know he become professor hulk and maybe we need like professor wanda i don't know yeah uh, yeah,
1: yeah well and that's <laughs> kind of like scarlet professor <laughs> we've got this this thing with her right now where she seems to have this duality um mm-hmm. and you, you, uh, the hulk is a great uh, analog for this last scene Where she's this She's a girl sipping Sipping a tea Recovering from her grief On a porch But she's also Seems like she's this Dark witch Reaching out into Whatever The right. multiverse The dark dimension Whatever And to try to find Her children And it's like the, the, Her I, I don't know <laughs> Ego and id Like living separately And it, it, it's very uh Yeah it, It's very Hulk like In a way
0: Yeah Mm-hmm definitely definitely so uh, again there's so much more we can talk about her and and just all the questions that 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 she opens up and uh everything about like you know the kova chords and all that i do want to move on i do want to just say quickly obviously one issue that i think we haven't discussed much because it's not really like where the three of us you know as as guys are coming on it is obviously gender is a big part of this and the way the way that she is viewed um you know it's fantastic that we have yet another strong woman character we need a lot more but at least we're getting some more into the mcu and and her getting her own story like this there's some great writing that's been done about you know the way that she is portrayed and in terms of being a villain or not and how gender plays into that that i think is not really our lane uh at least certainly not mine as a guide to to get to into but i'm going to include links to those writings uh in the show notes just want to say kind of like yeah and as the host of this I was definitely aware of like the, the the makeup of who we had talking about this. I think it was a great conversation to be had there. But but there's some conversations there that are that other people are talking about that are definitely worth checking out. So please do that. Um, shifting to the next one, we're going to get to Agatha and and Hayward. But I want to Matt especially give you a chance to do this. We have a moment of a true multiverse happen where we don't get the X Men come in, but the Starship Enterprise basically appears in Westview in the in the in the version of the ship of Theseus. Um, can you talk for a minute about why the vision philosophical debate was basically like a Star Trek type ethical like moment, and why that meant so much to you, or why why do you think that was important and awesome?
1: Oh, I mean, in so many ways, it was the start. It was a Star Trek moment. Like this is <laughs> well, there's literally a, a a moment in Star Trek where Spock, a dark version of Spock, is convinced to join the rebellion in the mirror universe or start the rebellion in the mirror universe that this very much mirrored, but also just the, the idea of talking the computer down with logic Mm -hmm. is just almost half of the episodes of the original series (laughs) is, is Kirk somehow convincing an evil computer that it doesn't need to evil anymore. Um, (laughs) And and that's, and this, this, this was, this was great. Uh, and, And just, it's not a fight. They don't have, a, I mean, they do have a fight and that's often the way that Star Trek is. It'll have a little fight, but the resolution is not the fight because that's the thing. You don't win things with violence. Uh, you you actually win the battle with the the treaty. You know what I mean? Um, and that's this moment of them like coming to an agreement and an understanding and you, you win it through sharing knowledge. And um, I, I just, I, I love that. Uh, and it, it, this was a great moment of that
2: i also thought it was amazing um i have very little to add especially in terms of like star trek context but Uh the idea of using logic to solve its problems uh is greatly appealing to me (laughs) (laughs) same you know i mean i i i like that wanda solved her problem through cleverness right you know it wasn't just power it was like she learned something because her uh, opponent was prone to monologuing and expository dialogue and mm-hmm. she taught her an immediate lesson on the dangers of expository dialogue. Um, <laughs> no. But, you know, the, the vision thing was just peak, like, you yeah. know, um, especially, logic prevails, which, especially, unfortunately, it doesn't often enough yeah.
0: in life. I think what I would especially loved about that moment is that it's not even just... It's one thing to sort of try to logic someone else out of their anger. You know, like, I was reading something earlier today about why isn't Tony able to recognize that the Bucky who killed Tony's parents wasn't really Bucky. It was, you know, and it's because Tony is like half out of his mind with grief over his father's death and all of his own regrets. Like he's not thinking rationally in that point. And like, he's not really very susceptible to a logical argument in that moment. Yeah. But the other, like to me, and I think logic is still a good thing and it's helpful to break through when you can, and not just punchy punch everything, but I understand it there. To me, the vision-on-vision vision fight is something else where it's, um, you know, White Vision is fighting because of what he's been told to do. And so he thinks he's doing the right thing. And so being able to say, I'm going to recognize that you think you're making this conscious decision to do this thing, and I'm going to respect that and now try and convince you that what you really should want to do is something else. Like, yeah. it's basically all about him giving White Vision his own agency in a way that I just – you're right. It's, it's so Star Trek. It, it's – it's Dormammu and and Doctor Strange, and I just I love action movies being able to sometimes say we don't need a big fight to win this. Um, yeah, well, it's, it, also, it's also
1: it's very good.
2: Just Vision making Vision Vision,
0: yeah,
1: you
2: yeah. Know, like keep calling him the White Vision. Like the whole point of the conversation is that's Vision, right? right. Like, and he's not really functioning as Vision, but then other Vision is like, wait, but your Vision he's like, oh shit, I am Vision.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'll also just say, here's a quick plug on superhero ethics. Uh, a week before this came out, <laughs> time,
2: this was hilarious. we
0: did an episode all about like cloning and like, are you really yourself if you upload yourself from a week ago and all this kind of stuff. We're basically going to have to rerecord the episode because there's just so much in this that was exactly those questions. <laughs> <But> <laughs> definitely check it out because I think it's a very good conversation with Rob McKenzie. Um, so let's That's get awesome. into Agatha. Um, what does she want? I don't know. Is she just wanting power? Is she genuinely concerned that the Scarlet Witch is a bad thing? Where do you think Agatha falls in all this?
1: I do think that she is mostly seeking power. That seems to be her her predominant MO. But um, I do think there's a part of her that wants to be good. Like that very first part of her origin story, she's like, I can be good. And her mom tells her she can't.
0: Yeah, that was harsh. Uh, That's real harsh. That's not
2: cool, mom.
1: That's not, that's not good parenting. Um, yeah. but, uh, there's also something in there that like she, of her wanting to be good. And when she tells, uh, when she tells her, uh, sorry, when she s- steals all of Agatha's power and, and becomes kind of the full Scarlet witch, she goes full on X-Men suit, Scarlet witch, uh, she says, um, "You have no idea what you've unleashed," and it seems like with genuine concern in her voice. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and we don't know what that line means yet. We don't know if it means the Scarlet Witch is a is is this is this thing to be feared, or if Agatha, her power was, uh, hold, was holding something back, a la Doctor Strange with Dormammu and uh, the Time Stone. Like, we don't know what that line means yet. I think we'll. I think we will find out. It could just be that the, the Scarlet Witch is so powerful that you don't know what you've unleashed by be going becoming yourself, you know, which is uh, kind of a, a dark thing in itself. But she does seem to actually be concerned with the fact because at that point she has lost, she done, and she, her, her appeal is like you've done something really bad here um, that's going to lead to bad things, and it doesn't seem to be any be a power seeking moment. So I think there's there's definitely something in there with her that is more than just power-seeking, but I don't know what the balance is.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, for, for me, it felt... <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at anonymous Narwhal editing the <laughs> thing. Um, you can cut that out if you want.
0: <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: for me, I, I felt... I mean, I didn't enjoy Agatha as a character the way I think a lot of people did. Um, I felt... Like, what I saw was this sort of mustache twirler, as, you know, uh, as you are want to say. Um, Somebody who basically was just seeking power. I can see that there were hints of other things. Uh, I wish that those were explored a little more if they were meant to be meaningful and not, you know, just Marvel trolling people another time. Um, At the end, I really did feel like she was trying to say something and... Wanda cut her off there and like maybe that's going to be a really important thing she was going to say but at the same time I can understand uh Wanda maybe not really want to hear it from her anymore um You're you know the whole, like yeah or trusting yeah exactly yeah that's what i mean like listen i don't want to hear another word out of you like you know you've been manipulating me and and i think throughout the thing i mean i'd like to rewatch the whole series even though i i didn't totally love it i i think being able to see it straight through, I mean, first of all, for a second time, knowing what was happening, but also just seeing it straight through and kind of things coming right after the other, mm-hmm. I think is a very different experience to watching it all at once. Please just release seasons all at once. Binge, I know. Binge, I mean, for, binge, binge, binge is best. No way for podcasting no yeah. this is obviously like peak content release fashion, but, yeah,
1: I love um, well, and also for like like I mentioned at the top, like all that theory, theory crafting over Pietro right. or Fietro yeah. that like didn't come to anything, but I had a blast doing it like and i right, right. I love talking arguing with Jeff about how his mephisto theories were wrong, like yeah. that, that was that was so much fun, and it's not just because of podcasting like it's the conversations i've been having sure. since I was like six years old, sitting outside yeah, yeah. like having. I've been talking to my friends about what was going to happen on Star Trek next week, um, I love the week-to-week model oh, yeah. personally.
0: I mean, that's yeah. why Paul and I started this podcast to begin with. was those kind of conversations? Yeah, man. Um, but,
2: oh, yeah, 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 but not over things being week to week. But,
0: but, yeah, no. but, <laughs> yeah. But, but Paul, I, I actually, I, I think I mentioned I, I binged it with my partner, yeah. and. Am I and I just think it works so much better as a binge. I hate week to week, but that that that's another debate for their time. Yeah, again, Where, to
2: each their own. To each basically. their own, for sure. Yeah, yeah,
0: but 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 I do think knowing what I know now, I think this is a very good show to rewatch because mm. the Agatha moments are so like every Agnes moment. You're just like, oh my god, how did I not see it? It's mm. so right. They all they all hit different, right? They hit so, and it's just one of those yeah. like the little things are there so well, mm-hmm. right? Um, right. Uh... What, one, so, go on.
2: Do, uh, well, I guess then maybe I would ask you, like, do you feel like that was clearly there that she... Like, I didn't really see somebody who wanted more than like, I'm going to take your power. I've been manipulating you this whole time. Um, and I mean, I, I personally could have done without Agatha, without Hayward and just like a story. Of, I mean, I don't know how you'd resolve it, you mm-hmm. know, um, in terms of just Wanda doing this thing. But... um it at the end, I definitely felt like she just turned into this, you know, like, I'm just gonna take your power. And like that was what her motivations for that. I mean,
0: I feel to like have more Ag- power. I think Agatha and to some extent Hayward and for similar reasons, are my biggest frustration with the writers because I think it is to some extent bad writing because it, mm. it felt to me like the writers couldn't decide if because I want you're right, we get this very sympathetic backstory for for Agatha and
2: wait what where she kills all the other witches
0: you, where, where she wants to be good where she like I, I mean to me i thought there was a very strong parallel between agatha and wanda okay, okay. of like agatha is someone who doesn't understand i thought so powers, too yeah and everyone's like agatha you're yeah. bad you're not trying to use your powers and she's like and she's being attacked i mean she's literally self-defense and yeah, and then she's cackling.
2: I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get that read from that scene. But mm-hmm. that's that's definitely more interesting.
0: Yeah, but I, I guess that's what I mean is I feel like there's some. It, it's frustrating because the the setups of Ag. I feel like Agnes is incredible writing, and I feel right, like they right. just they they tried to kind of have it both ways with Agatha. Of she's the mm-hmm. mustache twirler who wants power, and she's this very sympathetic person who want who is worried about the Scarlet Witch or that she wants power for these sympathetic reasons. Um,
2: I think they were in a tough spot that they put themselves in yeah. where, like, basically your sympathy and the extent to which you kind of believe and relate to Agatha is inversely proportional to, you know, how much you accept kind of Wanda's, like, what she does in the end mm-hmm. and sort of where she is at the end. So, you know, Wanda's just like, you're in sitcom jail for the rest of your life. Like, if we related more to Agatha, then I don't think we're able to feel as fondly towards Wanda. And I think the writers kind of put themselves in that position. And it, it was, it was, it's a difficult spot. And I'm not sure
0: yeah.
2: how they could have done it better. But I feel like it was a, it was a little bit of an issue there.
0: Yeah, I, I guess that's kind of my point. Is I, it feels to me like for the most part they set up this very morally gray, morally complicated situation, but then at the end they wanted the audience to be so solidly on the side of Wanda, so that we really felt like the pain of that uh, and grief of her loss, and, and which was beautifully done. But they were sort of like, oh, okay, actually let me let's make Wanda let's make Agatha just really bad, so that that Wanda is sympathetic, and that's where I was just right. like, eh, I, I wish you'd done better on this.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's a weird balance to strike because I I kind of like where they placed it. Like you're saying, you were saying it, it sounds it feels like they didn't make good They didn't know what they wanted to do, which I think is 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 a fair criticism. But it also is like. That's what a gray story looks like. Like that's what like all these characters we can we can sit and have this conversation for an hour and a half because Mm -hmm. none of because they didn't make a decision that Agatha was for sure the bad guy. And they didn't make make these decisions that like Hayward is definitely fully 100 percent a dick. You know, like there's 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 all these little like little ways you can wriggle out of it. And every character is sort of internally consistent with what they want to do. Now, certain ones, we don't have a clear vision yet of what they want. Like, we don't know for sure that Agatha only sought power or if there was a little bit of good in her. And we don't know if, uh, you know, if Hayward was legitimately worried about uh, keeping the world safe or if he's just... Uh, just out to seek the power. Uh, but I, I I think that I just, I find this sort of interesting storytelling, um, the way that it uh, shook out, because we can have this conversation and there aren't decisions made for us.
0: Yeah, I, I, yeah. Guess, I guess just to me, it just felt like they, I didn't feel the internal consistency. It felt a little bit like with both Hayward and um, Agatha that they kind of were like, I felt like they very much wanted Hayward to be 100% a dick And that they very much wanted Agatha I don't think they wanted you to have any sympathy for Agatha When she gets locked in sitcom jail
2: At the at the end, yeah. right Ooh, uh, Yeah, you, I, yeah I felt like they pivoted away from that sort of complexity At the end And like, I didn't dislike how things ended But it definitely felt a little simplified Compared to, you know, the sort of complexity of earlier
0: mm-hmm. I think that's true
2: um, also, you said we didn't have a clear vision, so I, I, to, <laughs> I like that. I thought that was fun. It's so, not clear, but he's a vision. Let's go to Hayward and Sword. Project Cataract. Um,
0: <laughs> what, how are we feeling about living in a world that Sword now exists in? Oh.
1: Mm. Bad. <laughs> they're a government organization. Truly, it's bad, right? <laughs> they're, exactly. they a shadowy government organization, and of course it's going to be I, bad. I
2: will say before... Um, Matt shed some actual light on this. Um, that, <laughs> like, it was weird seeing the FBI as kind of like the good government organization right after watching uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Awesome, where legit, awesome. You know, I mean, like, the FBI has historically done horrible things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that doesn't mean they don't also do some things stopping people from doing bad things. But, um, you know, like Jimmy Woo is one of my favorite characters who I just yesterday learned predates Marvel. But, um,
1: whoa, interesting.
2: Yeah, like he's from Atlas Comics or Atlas, whatever. Um, mm, anyway, there's a whole thing there, but, um, like I, I really enjoyed, Jim, you know, Woo and Darcy. And but, like, the FBI being the agency that steps in to stop Sword from doing what, like, I feel like we just throughout, like, we don't get a clear idea. Like, what S.W.O.R.D. really is, and, like, who who funds them, and, you know, are they legit? Are they, like, S.H.I.E.L.D., which was this secret organization? Like, aren't we done with that? Like, is there any chance that they're not also infiltrated by HYDRA? Like, I don't know. (laughs) I have so many questions. I'm really tired of having an organization like this in the stories, but it would be almost inconceivable to think that organizations like this wouldn't pop up in a world like this. So I'm
1: kind of (laughs) torn there. That's fair. Yeah. I I think that's absolutely fair. It's hard, man. Anytime that humans build in these stories, it seems like anytime the humans build these organizations to try to like arrest any power back from, You know, these like godlike creatures that are like ruling them Uh, if they if they don't arrest you that power back, uh, then it it always seems to turn out poorly Mm -hmm. Um, and we get these sort of like bureaucrats or whatever that are like. Seeking their own power, or or, or soon be going overboard, and part of that is because we're writing these stories often to make the super powered people to be heroes, right? Uh, and 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 you get characters like Monica and Coulson who like view the superheroes as people and people that can be allies or or villains, and I guess that's the that's the real tale of Hayward. Like Hayward in the in the very first episode, his first thing he says: "There's a lot of threats out there." There's a lot of threats have popped up out there since you since you blipped away, Monica, mm. uh, and and she says, but there's a lot of allies too. Yeah, and I don't think that Hayward believes that. I think that Hayward mm. believes that like if they're if they're a sentient weapon or you know a superpowered individual as we might call it, um, they're bad and we have to stop them and we can't trust them.
2: Right. Yeah. Or they're a threat. Right?
1: Yeah, for right. sure, for sure.
0: And I think I think. I think I wanted to be sympathetic to to Hayward in that, I mean, I've talked before on the Superhero Ethics podcast, I've talked before about how one of my absolute favorite characters in all of superhero media is Amanda Waller, who, for those who don't know from the DC universe, she's the non-powered person who's basically kind of the head of the kind of like You know, like, we need to be able to – you know, she's the one who's like, let's always have some kryptonite on hand in case Superman goes bad. You know, she's she always is wanting to make sure that, like, we have a way to deal with superheroes because they can always go bad and we have to be ready to have threats against them. And she's portrayed as an antagonist but also often a very sympathetic one. And I kind of wanted – because I think you're right, Matt. I think that we can headcanon it somewhat to get Hayward to that point. But it felt like the, the show wasn't quite sure if he was like I'm trying to kind of best say this. Like it, there was the potential there, but I feel like we needed one more episode on the backstory of Sword. You know, on where does this come from? Who wh- what is it that they're so concerned about? Is it that they is it all about like um you know, the loss of control on Earth or the, these possible alien invasions or whatever is happening? Because the the way it was portrayed I did feel like he, he did just come across as, like, um, I want power for power's sake, you know? And then I'm willing to... be Because on some level, I remember watching the scene of him, like, tearing apart Vision. And it's horrible and it's wrong. But I I also was kind of thinking, like, well, yeah. Like, Thanos just invaded. Half the population just got blipped out. Like, we're in real trouble. We need to figure out how to deal with these kind of threats. And Yeah. Um, the way he manipulates Wanda is obviously super shitty, and I, I get where the problem there is. But I, I, I kept feeling like I wanted to be sympathetic to him, but but the show never quite did it. And then the – again, I feel like if if he had had a moment where he was telling his troops, like, and be ready to fire if you have to, and the troops had said, but but sir, they're kids. And he said, no, those aren't kids. Those are mental constructs. Then I feel like him shooting at the kids, I could be like, he's doing this for some, like, you know, he he fundamentally doesn't believe that there there's moral value there and it's okay to do it. Right. The fact that we don't get that scene, I feel like it means we're just supposed to think Hayward's a dick who'll shoot at kids to protect his Because they don't hmm. remember the whole point is covering his ass. He doesn't want to get caught.
1: Yeah, that's true. See, that's the thing about Hayward in this is that... It turns out all the things that he is doing, he is doing, he's stepping outside of his authority and trying to create a sentient weapon and willing to frame other people. Um, And so that's where the real, like, Hayward is wrong and Hayward is bad um, because he is, you know, choosing to do all of that. (laughs) Right.
2: Yeah, to, to me, like, I, I felt like Hayward was just this, like, generic shitty authority figure who was like, I'm in charge because I'm in charge, and I'm not really going to listen to anybody I'm working with. I'm not going to tell them what I'm doing. I'm just going to order a drone strike on someone who's mind-controlling a bunch of people. Like, he doesn't need, like... Do, Is there a way to know that, like, if somebody's mind controlling people and then you just, like, kill the person doing the mind control that the other people are going to be okay? Like, That that, like, breaks the spell? Like, what if it just makes them vegetables? Like, you know, and this is not to mention that the, the person doing the mind control literally just, you know, saved the world or saved half the world and then saved the whole or whatever. Like, with a bunch of other people, it's like, yeah, I do think there's some leeway. You know, in terms of, like, okay, you just, like, beat down Thanos. Like, yeah, you you should probably get a little... Like, we should talk instead of drone striking you. Like, besides the fact that I'm just kind of against drone striking people in general. But, like, he he just... I felt, to an extent, like they went out of their way to make him, you know, a dick. But also, you know, like, villainous. Like, Mm -hmm. doing something that maybe... Some people would think, okay, well, clearly we have to do something, right? Like, I think that's that's a given, right? This is a hostage situation; we have to do something. But I, I kind of think a lot of the, um, you know, looking at Hayward, like, oh, well, he's just kind of doing his job or whatever, is comes from this idea that like authority is like, like that that authority is necessary, earned. Like, he's, you know, he's the director because he's the director and Monica was gone. And, yeah, maybe she shouldn't be the director either. Like, maybe she only would have been the director because of nepotism, right? We don't know. Like, we didn't see any of the backstory of S.W.O.R.D. Um And, like, until further notice, like, I'll just assume they're, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. Hydra, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, it, it you know, the, the fact that Hayward asks so few questions and his goal seems to be just to get, you know vision back online which like again like why does the u.s government is sword part of the u.s government or are they an international entity and if they're part of the u.s government why do they have possession of of vision's body like and definitely they shouldn't be just trying to resurrect it as a weapon right uh it being his body yeah um
1: And also, like, something we didn't mention earlier when we were talking about Vision's agency and getting a chance, is they also lied to Vision. They deliberately took away his memories so that he yeah. would be on their side. They, they they recreate a sentient weapon, and then they basically, like, gaslight him into believing that Wanda is only a threat and nothing else. Right. right.
0: Um, Which is, again, why that Ship of Theseus moment is so important, because it's all about reclaiming yes. his agency and, and mm-hmm. his real identity.
1: Yes. Exactly. Yeah, and those memories, which is like, and and being brought out of the big lie that's going on, that Wanda is only only there to harm people.
0: For sure. So, I, I again, we could go so deep on all these questions, and I'm sure we're gonna have more time. I want to finish up by step by getting a bit meta here and talking about the the of it all. Um, and I, I think I really like the way you you framed this from the beginning, Matt. Of you know, a lot of people are very mad. Like, oh, we got trolled about Mephisto and things like that. And I think there's a really interesting conversation here of, like, like, I remember the whole time we were going through and, and we we're getting very deep into these theories about Mephisto and stuff like that. Down. Part of where I was pushing back a bit was I don't want us to get to a point where in order to understand a comic, in order to understand a TV show or a movie, you have to have read all the comic books or have to have really studied it all. And I like the idea of these stories being inspired by stuff, but still being fairly standalone. But it sounds like we're all kind of in agreement there that, like, that there's nothing wrong with running with these theories. But I feel, like the, I feel like this was a show that was very clearly saying, like, we're not you – can, you can do all the theory crafting you want to, but we're not, we're not here to feed that necessarily. And, and it, it seemed like it was kind of a nice reminder, like, the theory, theorizing is fun, but, like, we need to just trust what's on the screen.
2: Yeah. In terms of that being like what exists.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, I think, I personally think that what Marvel does on like, and almost every movie, I mean, this one was particularly interesting because of the Fietro of it all. But like, in, in terms of everything they do, they are always balancing like multiple, um, Ways of thinking about these stories, they have to write them so that the uh, average person can watch the story and just enjoy it. Uh, They have to write it so that uh, the deep comics fan can get their references fulfilled, but still be surprised, still have the possibility of surprise. And I think they do a really interesting thing where they like they play enough with doing things based in comics and then they do enough with changing things so that no matter how you feel about it and i thought this one was particularly wonderful because like throughout the entire story i could like look at any possible theory and go yeah i guess that could still be true yeah yeah that could be <laughs> mephisto and and the more you the more you know the more theories you could spin from comics but like None of those theories had to be true. They, and I kept, I kept bringing us back to that on, on the uh, MCU cast. I kept being like, yeah. yeah, but this could just be Wanda. Like, yeah, Agatha, yeah, Mephisto, yeah, this, that, that, that. But this could just be Wanda. And that's what I loved about the story um, is how uh, it. They, they have so many different audiences. They are trying to entertain and keep interested. And I just find it. Such an interesting balancing act And I, I understand why some people that watch this Are probably thinking they did a bad job In this particular instance Because some people came in thinking No, this needs to be Mephisto For this to happen This has to be Mephisto uh, and, and if it's not, you know the, the, Then all these easter eggs But all those easter eggs about like the devil And darkness and da, da 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 Like that's just her talking about being a witch You know, those are all Those all operate as uh Witchy Easter eggs, as well as they do uh, devil or Mephisto Easter eggs. So I, I think they did a great job of balancing all of that. And I am, I guess, more forgiving, but I I, I don't mind that the things I really kind of wanted at times didn't happen because I had a great time theorizing and I had a great time. I think the story ended well, and it really ended up focusing on its own story, which I think is always important, and Marvel always does well. That yes, yeah. they put in Easter eggs for the next thing, but they never make the story you're watching about the bigger thing. And I think that's a really cool thing they do and a lesson they learned a long time ago. Um, even though you're, you know that Iron Man's leading to Avengers. Yeah, throw Nick Fury at the end saying Avengers are coming, but don't make the end of the story the Avengers showing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't make the end of the story Wonder Woman showing up. You know what I mean?
0: I think that makes sense, right? I think for me, the rule of thumb that I think of is I would hate it if you get to a point where if you sit down to watch this, if you haven't heard the word Mephisto before you start watching, you're not going to get to fully enjoy it. Like to me, that's the like, that's the line that should never be crossed. Oh, for sure.
2: Yeah, I, I, so I think what what I think they do well and I think is necessary in in something like this is to... Um, basically have some foreshadowing for people who, you know, there's Easter eggs for people who are very into the comics. And then there's some foreshadowing for people who maybe aren't into the comics, but, you know, are, are watching. And then when something's a reveal, it's like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, you know, the, the Agatha reveal doesn't like not work if you don't know who Agatha Harkness is, you know, um, I think it doesn't hit the same. Like, I was kind of like, okay, you know, (laughs) but like, and also everybody had been saying that's who it was anyway. So, um, you know, some of the, some of the, like, if you have people who don't know a bunch of these things and people who do, it's like, for me, it was a little awkward. Like, I really love watching a story with no idea what's going on Mm -hmm. and like no spoilers. And I, I, I don't want... Um, I want to kind of have my own theories while I'm watching something, but I don't really want to hear a bunch of theories between episodes. And if I did, I think it would have been a great experience to be able to follow along and have, you know, listen to all the podcasts and and engage with all the theories. But like, um, you know, the whole bubble thing, like, I didn't even know that was a thing until after the first week I saw you know, something that in fairness, it said, this is a bit of a spoiler. And then I looked at it anyway. (laughs) Um, (laughs) part of that's just because of the way, you know, Facebook scrolls or whatever. Um, but like, you know, and then I, like, I knew that the bubble was a thing and, and that, that took away some for me, you know, from the experience, but like, whatever, that's fine. That's just kind of how it is. Right. But, um, you know, I, I, I feel like Having red herrings is essential if you're going to have any level of mystery about anything. And so, you know, you can have a bunch of Easter eggs that are just like, oh, this is just a reference to this company that exists in World and it doesn't come to anything, right? But it's just kind of a nod. And then you can have things that it's like, oh, this is a reference to this company that exists in World and it's actually going to become a really big deal. And then you can have other things where you're like, oh, is that so-and-so? And And then it's like, no, it's actually not. And that's fine because in in order to, you know, I mean, I think you want the viewer to have an idea and some expectations about what might come next. Mm -hmm. But if you always pay off every single potential easter egg every potential reference then there's just going to be no surprise and i think yeah. you know having that kind of combat that combination that kind of sweet spot of like yeah some of the things that you think are going to happen come through, so you kind of feel, like, vindicated on some of your, your theories. And then, like, some of them don't, so you still there's still some element of surprise in terms of how things actually play out. I think that's kind of the sweet spot, and I feel like they did a good, you know, job with that. I, I wasn't so attached to any of the, mm-hmm. you know, particular theories, so it's kind of easier for me to say, but...
0: So let, um, let me, though, get into the Fietro at all, because I, I... Yeah. This one, I admit it, it bothers me a bit, and I want to talk it through with you all and hear what you all think, because it's... I guess here here's the way that I see it. For me, part of what Marvel is doing here is saying, listen, if you want a theorycraft, have fun, but mm-hmm. we are going to tell a story that exists on this screen as it is, and that we don't want you to try and say, like, that that if we do A and B, just because A and B led to C in a comic book does not mean that A and B will lead to C here. And right. And it seemed like a lot of the show was kind of like a nice, like, reminder, like, don't think you know we are not bringing in outside stuff like that. So to intentionally cast someone from the X Men, like the whole ca- to cast, um, what, what's the guy's name? Evan Taylor. Evan Peters. Peters, yeah. Yeah. So to cast Evan Peters in that way, it felt like it was Marvel kind of breaking its own rules to me because it was kind of saying like, on the one hand, it was saying like, hey fans, don't play this game, just trust the show on its own, but then also saying, oh, actually, we're going to play the game even better than you and make you just look stupid. Um, I don't know. I I, I, I did think that I would be fun if that was the way. Like, I think I agree with you that overall I like that this is not how we're going to bring the X-Men in. I think once they introduced him and I thought maybe this is how they're bringing the X-Men in, it was an interesting idea and I was fine with it. I think now looking back on it, if the whole thing is just a way to make a boner joke, like, I mean, granted, it's more than that, obviously, but, I don't know, it it just felt like, I kind of feel like Marvel loses some of the high ground in the discussion of, like, you know, because now it's not them saying, like, oh, just watch the story, don't try and, like, meta it all out, but it's actually saying, actually, you know, you can meta it all out you want, we're going to let you think that, but then fuck with you as much as we want, and it just... I don't know. It, it just, it just, it just left a bad taste in my mouth. I'm curious what you, how you all felt about it because I think, I think I'm, I'm more alone on that than you two.
1: Yeah, uh, I thought it was funny. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny too. And and yes, it did like definitely troll a little bit. Yeah, um, hardcore, hardcore. But it like, like in a kind of fun way to me. Like I, I it just didn't really bother me. Um, but I, and, and that is as someone who really, I, 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 I they won me over. It's really weird because they won me over to the Pietro idea, which I was very mm-hmm. against, or the the fact that that could be real Pietro. Um, they won me over, and then they. So so I wasn't one that was like, you know, I really want this. I was one who was against right. it, and then they won me over, and then didn't do it. And I think that's funny. Uh, they trolled me good, and I, <laughs> I just had a good time. And like, I don't know. I guess I I do think it's a reminder that we don't have to do the story you want to tell. You want us to tell, right? Um, and I don't know. I guess I guess whatever you think of that, everybody. There's a certain amount of fan service that's good and a certain amount that is like too much, you know what I mean? Right. And I I don't know this uh, this is like them reminding us, yeah, we're going to do fan service, but you know, we still are going to tell our own story. So I guess I guess it just doesn't really bother me. It's them making their own story, which is good, I guess.
2: That's fair. I feel like if I was invested in the idea of, you know, the Fox X-Men, coming over to the MCU, I might find it upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, I can certainly sure. understand that. The fact that I don't want that, never wanted that, haven't been excited about, you know, the idea of all these other characters coming from other movies. Like, I'm just kind of like, y- you-, you made like the biggest shared universe in movie history. Like, maybe you don't need to bring in some other characters movies like just introduce those characters on your own um i mean maybe there's some timeline issues i don't know i i never bought the idea though that like this was like fox pietro like Mm -hmm. or like it just didn't make like how would that even work i don't know i'll go back and listen to all of your podcasts and see what what (laughs) jeff was saying or whoever but let let
0: me ask you this paul because like you said i know this is something you're not invested in if in a later movie a superhero is in some way going to like go to go to trial for Sokovia Accords thing show up, and Charlie Cox shows up playing a blind lawyer who is um, <laughs> defending them, but then is like you know isn't in any way Daredevil. <laughs> Charlie Cox playing a blind lawyer, you'd be totally okay with that?
2: Oh please, yes. <laughs> I don't want Daredevil in the MCU. Like, oh really? I, See, I'm, cool. I, yeah. I'm really no, like, the MCU. Netflix shows were like so perfect. Like it, like I get it. Like I want those characters, but at the same time, like I don't trust them. That's
0: fair. That's also very fair. <laughs> like, I don't. Yeah.
2: Like for me, like the Netflix MCU is so separate. Like they really didn't cross the streams very much at all. Mm-hmm. That like, yeah. But if. If I really wanted him to come back, yeah, I guess I'd be I'd be pissed. But like, would all would this court take courtroom take place in a magical bubble where nothing is as it seems?
0: Also fair. Because I,
2: I feel like that was like, you know, it's like, okay, so this is a troll. Like it's definitely a troll. Oh, it's a troll, yeah. <laughs> but like they did tell you, like, we're in a bubble here. Nothing is what it seems. Like, there's definitely some wild stuff going on. You probably shouldn't have a lot of trust. Also, the whole, like, they recast Darren. You know, they recast Becky. Like, this is like a sitcom thing. Like, I thought it was one of the funniest jokes in the in the series. Oh, like, yeah. She recast Pietro?
0: Yeah, thought that was a thousand, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> brilliant moment. Laugh <laughs> <It was laughs> so good. Great. Such a good laugh. Yeah. That's, <laughs> um, that's fair. I can, I can definitely understand that.
2: I mean I thought you were going to like make a DC like the 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 analog for me would be like if you have like well they're already doing it but it's like like I want Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne in a Batman Beyond movie right. and if you somehow made it look like you were going to do that and then didn't do that I'd be extremely disappointed and I would I would dislike it as much as I already like the the current DCEU yeah. which you know not my Batman, book, but like, <laughs> you know, so I, I definitely understand how not, not like understand how people feel in terms of like, feel that way. Right. But I, I mean, I can get it, you know, it's like, but like, it definitely does feel like a little bit of a, a sort of like a caution post almost of like, yeah, they're, they're going to tell the stories they're going to tell the way they're going to tell them. And it's not necessarily going to be exactly it's not going to be exactly what you expect or exactly yeah. what you're hoping for all the time, and I I think that's I don't know maybe that's a good lesson to learn. I,
0: I guess I very much want that lesson. I feel like the troll of it undercuts the the caution post a little bit because it's a little bit more like okay. Marvel sort of being like, no, don't play that game because we'll play it better than you. Instead of saying right, like, right, right, but I, I I think I can see both or like reason. a little
2: mean spirited kind of yeah yeah. It
0: just feels a little mean spirited. I think is kind of the idea of it, but but I also think like I I you know i'm totally fine with it not happening it doesn't it didn't have to be that way you know maybe it's not a boner joke but anyway that's that's just a matter of yeah i say. do think right, the boner right, right. joke
1: was a little bit like uh yeah just ca- it, it it undercuts the whole idea of like yeah. it being it 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 dishonors the people who feel like the theory crafting was so much fun it's kind of like Yeah, but you're just all a big boner joke to us. Like, I get that the boner joke maybe is the mean-spirited part of it. But I generally like what they did.
0: For sure, for sure. And I I would say, like, compared to something like Supernatural, where they actually were, like, constantly mocking their own fans in a lot of ways, Mm. I feel like we're still much. Like, because I think you're right. They did do a lot. I think think it would be possible for them to do their show in a way that was like, listen... You people who are theory crafting are stupid, we're the smart ones, we're writing the show, shut up and like our show. I think they very clearly didn't do that. I think the people who wrote this show wanted folks to enjoy it the way my partner did, of just binging it and knowing nothing else but the show. And really wanted yeah. like folks like us to be able mm-hmm. to spend every week because, and I think this is a real testament, Matt, to what you and Jeff have built with the MCU cast, that we could <laughs> spend every week just being like, oh my god, it's Mephisto, the fly, what about the fly, and like freeze frame it all. And there's enough to have fun with there. But, but then the, like the story is, I think it's a testament to how well the story landed, you know, that we were able to be like, okay, well we didn't get any of what we thought we wanted, but it was just still so good. So who cares?
1: Yeah. One of the things that's really interesting about that as a podcaster is that like, I was trying to do the same thing that we were trying to do. I, at least I was trying to do the same thing they were, which you really helped out with a lot, honestly, um, uh, by being the guy who's like, hold on, I don't know anything about the comics. Can you explain that? Because, right. you know, after we've had the same conversation about Mephisto six times, sometimes I forget to go, cause Jeff's the guy who always wants to reference the comics. And I'm the guy who's like, let's just talk about what's on the screen, you know? Right. And so we have that balance, but sometimes when Jeff's told me something 14 times, like I, I tend to like, Oh yeah, yeah, that thing. And then we don't take the moment to explain to the listener by the way if you're a brand new listener to the podcast this is what we're talking about so right. that was really helpful actually so we appreciated your production you've taken on production duties during that time
0: i i got a, a review of um star wars universe podcast it was really mad because we didn't know the exact names of these creatures that are only referenced in a star wars role-playing book um, right and i was just like honestly that's the best. Pr- like. My approach to podcasting is I want to discuss the theories and ideas, and if you expect me to yeah. know, like, the, the hardcore trivia, there is a Star Wars trivia show coming up that I'm posting, but that's another story entirely.
2: <laughs> or how to pronounce Yavin? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, <laughs> I got to get my troll. Yawin, in
0: Yawin, Yawin. The Battle of Yawin. <sighs> Anyway, I promised uh, ninety minutes, and we're at uh, ninety-three minutes right now. So Matt or Paul, oh, yeah. any out. other kind of like last comments you want to say as we wrap up? I have one last thing I want to talk about. But um, any of the last uh, no, you? man,
1: we're good. You would uh, I'm good. Thanks for having me on this thing. This was fun.
2: Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, I. I... I feel like I've enjoyed talking about the show at least as much as uh, watching it. So. <laughs> <That's> always, <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> but I, I, it, it makes me more looking forward to like a, a rewatch at some point to kind of see how it all fits together mm-hmm. and to kind of think about you know, the characters and what they're doing, knowing kind of where they end up, yeah. seeing like, okay, what are they doing and like, how aware are they of what they're doing, stuff like
1: that. Well, and that's why I love the, like you said, you've enjoyed talking about it as much as uh, you have watching it. Like, that's why I love the weekly thing is because, like, not only do you talk about the overall story, like the idea of Pietro and how he was a fake out we would have gotten to, we, if we all binged this, we would have had one conversation about Pietro and it would have just been like oh that was a f- funny fake out instead of right. like getting that really dig in on like what does it mean that he's like from the X-Men universe, like does it mean that Agatha pulled him from the multiverse, does it mean that this happened or that happened, like all those like just fun things that we can have, and so every ending becomes like a twist that we can like really dig in and discuss, and I just loved it, I'm so excited for this whole year like Falcon Winter Soldier starts in Week, and we're gonna just like consume that just as hard. I, I'm really
0: excited. Yeah, I, I I'm with you there. I'm definitely with you there. I'm looking forward to all all these kind of things. And I I will say. I am. I think I am still. I think I would have enjoyed this more as a binge, but I think the the MCU cast, which I I very much recommend people. If you haven't listened to it, listen to those episodes. Uh, not just because they're brilliantly produced, uh, but but the, the conversation <laughs> that you and Jeff. Had, oh, I see what you did there. But I feel like you'll really get so much out of the show in a way that I I, I, don't, I don't I think it is the most enjoyable I have been I could have as a week to week experience, and I think that so as Paul said, it's different, it's different strokes, different folks, you know, I'm always going to be a binger first and foremost, but I think the, um, for those who enjoy the week to week, this show was perfect for it. And, and the casting was great about it. So the one last thing I wanted to talk about, and this is really an ethics question. I just kind of want to make this comment and then, um, let anyone else respond if they want to, and then we can close out. I am so happy that the show existed as a meditation on grief. Like I think, we talk about consequences a lot and in the MCU and we have a lot of especially focused a lot on like Tony's like PTSD or not to officially diagnose him, but like those kind of symptoms that he has. Yeah. We haven't really dealt much with grief and with loss. And I mean, I think we've all experienced that. I don't by any means claim to have any kind of hold on it. I know that when I, when, when I've had great loss in my life, especially my mother's death, it it definitely triggered some really hard things for me in terms of my own mental health journey. And the idea of the sort of, like, idyllic daydream, I think, is something that anyone can respond to. But especially after this last year when we've all been, like, you know, trapped in this hellscape of the pandemic and politics and all the things going on, like... I feel like there's there's a reason why, like, nostalgia television is so popular right now. And, like, you know, going back to the things that we find comfort in are so popular right now. And there's just, I feel like... And I, I think there was actually a tweet that I saw, and I'm going to try and make sure I include in the show notes about this, that, like, one of the writers saying that they were very conscious of this, and they were, like, talking to, like, grief counselors about this as they wrote the show. The show is just, I feel like, such a beautiful, like, discussion of how we deal with grief and how some things are unhelpful and how hard closure is. And I don't know, just all, even though I was still like Monica's, even though I was like Wanda's a lot more of a villain than I think the show wants me to think she is, or at least it's more complicated, once we get to the point of like her and uh vision and the kids walking to the house and her getting ready to say goodbye i mean i was just in tears for the whole rest of the show and it was just Mm -hmm. even then because it was just so well done and i just i'm just so grateful that a show like this exists that was really willing to say like yeah like you don't get to just like say like oh that sucked my buddy or my love got killed let's move on to the next movie like grief is a is a serious serious thing
1: yeah for sure and not even just for her. There were also other characters that really resonated um, with me right now. Uh, what I've I, I mentioned it on the MCU cast a few times, and I'll uh, mention it here. My father passed away in uh, January. Uh, my sister passed away last February. My father passed away in January, and then my mother had a fall the same day uh, that gave her uh, gave her a spinal cord injury um all uh the the two of them both had covid and and they both one 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 passed away and one uh had serious uh issues uh, has is probably going to have lifelong reduction in her functionality uh, of her hands and feet because of it um and it's just uh it, it, not only did all that loss and dealing with that loss um connected with Wanda but like the other characters like monica oh, waking yeah. up in the hospital to find her mother gone and 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 the the panic in the hospital for all of us right now going through these COVID uh, problems and my mother was in the hospital for for COVID right after her husband died for weeks and like it was like a three days before they could get her a hospital room oh god it's so like wow. yeah the, she was she was in a in a hospital hallway for three days because there was wow. they couldn't they couldn't get her a room because the because of COVID um, and so. It's just, and that was in the ER. So they got her in an ER room, and then they finally moved her to an actual room. And it's just like that overwhelmed hospital that Monica wakes up into, mm-hmm. like that, that hit me emotionally really hard. And then later in the series, uh, Norm wakes up for a moment and thinks about his father who's sick and how he needs to get, a, he's like, what day is it? My father's sick. I'm supposed to be taking care of him. I'm oh, supposed yeah, to be taking I'm these not calls. Not. I need to go. Yeah. that." Like the, there's a, all these characters are dealing with these serious, serious issues with their families and grief. And like it, it, this show hit me hard um, in, in a, in a lot of those scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but th- those are too specific. I know you're talking about more specifically Wanda, but those, those two really got me as well.
0: No, I think, I think, I think you're right. And I should have mentioned that it's not Wanda's is the central part, but, but obviously the grief is of all these different characters is such an important part of these things. And, and is one that the show really wrestles with so much.
2: I, Generally, don't enjoy stories that are about grief very much. Um, I think a lot of that is from having a lot of it as a child. When um, you know my my father died when I was eight, and um, and then family members just kept dying, mm-hmm. and there, mm. <laughs> there were like very few left by the time I was like an older teenager or like twenty, but. Um, and I mean, my mom actually went through a period where, you know, my dad, her husband died when I was eight. And then a few years later, both of her parents died. And then a few years after that, her brother and sister, her two siblings died. Mm. Um, and it, I mean, it, it really affected her life a lot, you know, beyond just those people not being there. Um, and it affected my life as well. And I, I, I think back and sometimes I look and I'm like, I was kind of a dick or like, you know, like I was a teenage kid, you know, and like, I, I think like about being insensitive in, in some ways and, and just the way that people can, um, I mean, I kind of shut out some of the rest of my family, not like deliberately, not like they kept trying to contact me, and I, but just like, I didn't really make the effort to stay in contact mm-hmm. that much with, with my dad's brother. Um, and, and and his you know his parents and maybe part of that was sort of like not wanting to engage with um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: with all that and it the sh- the one line the 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 second to last episode I, I really thought did a great job I think Vision's line there is is brilliant like of a sort where it's like isn't that in something else somewhere Oh no? that
0: grief okay. is love persevering.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Which you know, grief over the loss of loved ones is love, grief, right. I think is what's implied. Like, there's a lot of other things we can have grief over, but it's you know, it, I I don't tend to enjoy stories that are focused on grief that much. Um, and I think that's one of one of the reasons that I didn't enjoy Wandavision as much as some other people did. Mm-hmm. But having said that, I very much appreciate that there is a story that. You know, like my own enjoyment, notwithstanding, like I think it was brilliantly crafted and and for a show to be there and be able to hit on all those levels and kind of give give people a story that that relates to their own grief, um, I, I think is really important, you know, and like I, I want there to be stories for, you know, not just like all different types of people in terms of representation, but also in terms of things people go through. And and so I, I think it's wonderful that they created something like that that could resonate with people
0: on that level. Definitely. Definitely. Mm. Well, thank you guys both. This has been a uh, it's a great way to end it. It's been a great time to really take the show and, and dive into the questions of it. You know, I often talk about how for me, Civil War is far and away the best movie in the MCU just because of the questions that it raises. Um, I think it's interesting in some ways. I'm not sure if this is my favorite uh, of the shows, but it, it certainly did raise some great questions. That are, there's so much right, so much to dive into, and there's so much that I loved about it. And I, I'm just glad we could could touch on all this and explore all this. Um, I know both of you are are great content great content creators in your own right. Um, Matt, we've talked to you a deal about the stuff you do. But you want to for those folks who aren't MCU people, um, they're, they're, they come at this from the superhero ethics side. How can they find more of uh, what you're doing these days?
1: Yeah, the biggest show we do is the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Uh, you know, we we we've got a ton going on this year, and we're just covering these shows week to week. May some would say over covering them. We did uh, we <laughs> no. did like an hour an hour every Friday this this last, uh, uh, and then we did like a two hour episode every Monday. <laughs> <This is laughs> just like three really... hours
0: for a forty five minute episode that's
1: a good Yeah, and I, honestly, most of those episodes are like twenty six minutes, uh, and then we were like talking about them for three <laughs> yeah, I was hours. See.
2: 45 minutes
1: is generous <laughs> um, for the actual run times.
0: Listen, we have yeah. some of those beautiful navels you're ever going to find. They need to That's be gazed right. at. Like, N- the indeed, gazed
1: indeed. The good thing is, like, this... this uh, We've had. We've been very lucky that we've built a bit of an audience that got really involved with the division coverage, and we had a lot, and and that was a lot with what Matthew was doing, was helping us wrangle all that feedback. And, um... Uh it just got a lot of a lot of other people in the conversation. It wasn't just me and Jeff staring at our navels but like uh or the navels of of, of Wanda and Vision, but the the, the entire audience got involved. And it was a lot of fun and I'm super excited to do that with all the other shows this year. Loki particularly, which is like Two, one more show away from me now, but like I'm, gonna I'm really excited about right Loki. That there's
0: going to be some ethical questions that Loki brings up that we're going to have you back on to discuss. No, <laughs> yeah, I think
1: that's pretty likely. I think that's pretty likely. Um, I so I'm super pumped about the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and that the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. But uh, also just StrandedPanda.com dot com. We have lots of uh lots of podcasts and lots of music. Uh, that's sort of geeky based. Um, so podcast music com. oh and i'm viral on tiktok now nice. go check out my tiktok Woo! what's the handle <laughs> stranded panda at stranded panda on tiktok <laughs> i went viral this week it was cool
0: yeah check out his, check out mine as well the ethical panda we both do a lot of cool cool stuff on there um yeah i can't yeah. wait
1: to like respond to you and tell you how wrong you well, are it's gonna be great
0: Of arguments on. on tiktok uh wait i just lost we just changed to my headphones that was really oh. bad. um okay <laughs> All good. I'll edit that out later. Uh, and Paul, what about for you? If you want to find more about what you're up to,
2: yeah, I, I'm I'm not send Madman everywhere except TikTok, which I guess I maybe will be soon, so one,
0: I can uh, tell everyone else one, how wrong uh, they are.
1: Whatever. I'm gonna I'm gonna get it right now. I'm gonna camp on it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> 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 yeah, and uh, Paul, there you can find um, Paul Salton this kind of stuff, also uh, videos on chess and poker and other kind of great learning stuff. Definitely worth checking out. Um, So, guys, thank you both so much. Just a quick shout-out for anyone who is a Star Wars fan as well. Uh, This coming Sunday, uh, Sunday, March 14th, the first-ever Star Wars Universe podcast trivia will happen at 3 p.m. Eastern. Um, It's going to tie into the MCU trivia night, just in that if you are part of that league, points you get here will be a part of that. But also, if you have no idea what they're talking about there, you just want to come, show up, have fun with the trivia night, it's all going to be on Twitch tech uh we'll read the questions but the questions go out on text as well you type in the question get points for answering points for speed there's a great prize set up it'll be a lot of fun great time just hang out with a bunch of star wars geeks and have a good time and the focus will be the movie the force awakens so check out all that check out all the great ways you can get get back to us if you're interested in continuing the conversation you can find me on uh facebook or twitter under the ethical panda on twitter it's actually ethical panda 77 um Uh, but you can also go to strandedpanda.com and look for Matthew Fox or this podcast name, Superhero Ethics. Ethics. Email, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your comments. Love to hear your thoughts. So many great ethical questions were started on WandaVision. We'd love to get your thoughts on it. So Paul, Matt, thank you so much for being a part of this. Thank you to everybody for listening. Have a great day.